I just remember when I was a kid, I never had, you know, parents or grandparents that had a collection that they could show me or even pass down to me. And I really wanted that to be something for, for my kids, you know, whether they're into it or not, I, I just wanted it to be an option for them at some point. Welcome to the Juxtapose Journeys Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Spitz, and in this episode I talk with Jared and Chelsea Church. Jared and Chelsea started Church Card Co., which is a business that operates in buying, selling, and trading sports card and memorabilia. Their website contains football, basketball, and baseball cards, and they even host box-breaking events and occasional giveaways. Our conversation ranges from some notable players they've had in their collection, lessons they've learned since starting the business, and their overall long-term vision for the company. Jared and Chelsea even cover how they were able to turn a childhood hobby into a full-circle investment that they intend to pass on to future generations. So just sit back, relax, and get ready for Jared and Chelsea's journey with Church Card Co. Welcome to the Juxtapose Journeys podcast. And first of all, thank you both so much for taking the time to sit down and chat with me tonight. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so here we are here to talk Church Card Co., which, from what I'm gathering, is an online operation where you buy, sell, and trade sports cards and memorabilia. Where did the idea first come from to start that venture? So I, you know, collected cards pretty much my entire childhood. I did it until I was in high school, uh, which put us to the early 2000s, not to give my age away or anything, but um, (laughs) I I collected pretty religiously. I had a few really good friends that we just, we would always go to card shows or the local card shop and, and just really made a livelihood out of it and back then obviously we just did it for the fun of it we didn't ever think that we were going to sell anything or or do anything like that and Mm -hmm. it was around 2001 2002 I just slowly kind of transitioned away from it you know just got older and moved away from it and um, anyway it it was just it must have been you know COVID really I was um, bored and I have uh, a couple good friends actually one of them's really successful owns a local card shop um, just outside of Cleveland mm-hmm. and I just started asking him questions you know about the you know the direction of the hobby obviously it's really really booming and I was bored at home working from home and I just remember when I was a kid, I never had, you know, parents or grandparents that had a collection that they could show me or even pass down to me. And I really wanted that to be something for for my kids, you know, whether they're into it or not, I, I just wanted it to be an option for them at some point. And so I really dove into it like crazy rapid fire. I mean, you asked, (laughs) oh yeah. I mean, Chelsea was actually, she was getting pretty annoyed there for a while because it was like, go ahead. (laughs) When you mentioned that it was during COVID, absolutely. Jared had this phase, like I think a lot of people did, where it was just like spontaneous purchases, you know, spontaneous online buying. Yeah, we all did it. But Jared (laughs) went above and beyond. He decided that he was going to collect cards again. And it was to the point where I told him that we should probably get a P.O. box because I felt like our mailman hated us because there were so many packages coming to the house. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, are you reinventing this collection that you had when you were a child? And then just out of nowhere, you've decided you want to do it again. 
what are you going to do with it? And mm-hmm. at the time, I don't think he had any idea that he was going to do what we have now. I think it really was just, I'm just interested in collecting again. It's starting to boom again. And like he said, I think I want to pass this on to the kids at some point. Yeah. No. Yeah. So cool. Honestly, I identified with so much of that story because I feel like that's been a common theme in the the COVID times of just discovering new hobbies or even kind of rediscovering new hobbies or new ventures. I mean, this this podcast is honestly one of them because I've been blogging for a few years and then I kind of fell off myself and then got back into it and started doing it more consistently and going a little bit harder at it, you know, using my creative outlets and stuff while you know, being stuck at home for so long. And then that just kind of eventually evolved into me listening to more podcasts and thinking, why don't I turn this into a podcast? Like I miss interpersonal communications. I love hearing people's stories. And yeah, no, that's, that's so cool that you were able to turn that around that, you know, childhood obsession into just a very practical thing now. Um, That's, that's seriously awesome. Yeah. How are responsibilities for the business, I guess, divided between the two of you? So originally, basically how it worked was, you know, like we were talking about before, basically, I was just building my collection back up. Mm -hmm. And it was around, I can't remember when exactly it was, but I I was getting really back into like box breaks. Uh, I was getting into box breaks and watching them and being a part of them. And basically, if you don't, if you don't know what they are, it's basically, you know, you, you buy a box and then you sell either, you know, teams for the box or, or divisions or random teams and, and people buy in at these lower levels. So they don't have to pay up for the entire box, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then you, you open the box on camera and, you know, all, all the cards that are open for a specific team go to that person who purchased that team. So anyway, I was watching these things and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, man, you know, these are great, but I I think I could do this like better. I know a lot more about football. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot more about, you know, the cards, you know, at this point, and I I just feel like I could be a lot more entertaining and, and good at this. And so that was around the time that I said, you know, I think we can make money on this. Not only should we do the breaks, but we can also sell some of the collection that I built up that I don't feel as passionate about, you know, whether it's certain players or certain sports, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I wouldn't feel so bad offloading them. And so Chelsea is really good with social media, obviously the website stuff, obviously that that's her background. She's, you know, a writer, she edits, and she did a lot of work in that social media space. And so I really basically just said, you run with this, I'm going to essentially (laughs) just do all of the buying and selling. And then once we eventually start doing the breaks, I'll be the one to to tackle that to start until we feel like we're in a good space to where we can bring other people on. Mm -hmm. But that's really, I, I would say how the tasks are divided. Now, don't get me wrong, I do a lot of the social media now, but she really laid the foundation. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, thanks. I did. (laughs) Yeah, you did. No, but when when Jared decided that he wanted to do, like I said, we weren't sure what he was doing with all these cards that were just coming to our home every, you know, day. Mm -hmm. Uh, When he brought this up to me, he said, you know, we can make a family business out of this. And I, you know, maybe I'm um, squashing my identity with the card guys now, but I've never (laughs) really been into sports. I've never really understood the card collection thing. I really didn't. Mm -hmm. And when Jared told me, let's make a business out of this, I was kind of like, how in the hell am I going to play any (laughs) part in this? I have a background in content marketing, and I've been a content marketing writer for six plus years now. Nice. So I have. I've worked in, you know, the social media space. I understand marketing from a social media aspect. And so when he said, let's design a website, let's, you know, try the social media thing. 
do Instagram, whatever. I was like, okay, I'll handle that. And you do all the stuff that shows we know what we're doing. <laughs> so that's how he got me into it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. But, no, and that's honestly, yeah, such a good way to divide it. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Jared. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I mean, part of our, I think, attraction is that, you know, our everything does look really neat and, and you know, crisp. I mean, our, our, our social media is really well put together. If you compare it to, not to, you know, put anybody on blast or anything, but, you know, there's other social media. <laughs> card pages because we follow a lot of them that just you know it doesn't really look like they have anything well-rounded or put together and so mm -hmm. you know chelsea did a really good job in that aspect and, and again with even with our website it's really easy and concise obviously uh, we're still in the beginning stages of it and so there's still work to be done but at the same time it looks really nice and neat if you you know compare it to other card websites out there or card local card shops that have uh you know a thrown together you know website and so that was really important to me and i think she did a fantastic job of making you know that vision kind of come to reality so yeah definitely no it is very sleek and clean i was actually scrolling through the website and yeah i see you have primarily football basketball baseball cards on there out of curiosity is there a specific sport or team that always sells really well on the website whenever you have it obviously quarterbacks are always big mm -hmm. i have a really big football following period just because that's where most of my knowledge lies, Okay, you know, mostly in football. And so I, I, I think I just attract a lot of those followers naturally. Um, but quarterbacks are really, really obviously big. But I wouldn't say any one in particular. I mean, Herbert and Burrow, I mean, if you throw yeah. either of those up, you know, they, they get a ton of attention because of where we live. We follow a lot of Cleveland sports fans and they follow us. And so anything LeBron. The two quarterbacks Jared was referring to are Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Burrow plays for the Cincinnati Bengals, and Herbert plays for the Chargers. Both players had the rookie season in 2020. Unfortunately, Burrow's rookie season was cut short after suffering a season-ending injury of a torn ACL and MCL in his left knee against Washington in Week 11. Up until that time, Burrow was in talks for the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. However, that award ended up going to Justin Herbert, who finished the year as the all-time rookie record holder in passing touchdowns, total touchdowns, completions, games with 300-plus passing yards, and games with 3-plus touchdowns. Anyone from Ohio can tell you all about LeBron James and the legacy he has in the NBA. He's often in the discussion as being the greatest player of all time, being the first player in NBA history to win three championships and three final MVPs with three different franchises with the Miami Heat, the LA Lakers, and of course, the Cleveland Cavaliers. More information on all of these players can be found in the show notes. You know, my, yeah. my buddy who owns that <laughs> shop outside of Cleveland basically told me, he said, listen, if there's one thing that you can do <laughs> right now is buy as much LeBron as you can before he retires. Yeah. Because it's just going to be crazy and they're not going to have his likeness anymore. They won't be able to recreate those those cards in any way because he's going to take that with him when he retires. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, it's it's something that, you know, I've really latched onto. I'm not a Cleveland sports fan by any means because I'm mm. not from here, but uh, <laughs> right. I've really latched on to that and and made LeBron kind of a centerpiece in our collection so nice yeah no he and yeah LeBron has such a legacy in Cleveland so that makes so much sense to to really invest in him and uh I saw that you have my uh beloved Lions on there you had a Barry Sanders rookie card Calvin Johnson rookie card DeAndre Swift I'm, I'm one of those hopeful Lions fans you know one of these years they'll not be completely terrible I'm hoping I'm actually really stoked for the for the Jared Goff situation <laughs> now so we'll see I guess yeah we will see I think they need to just you know build build it the old-fashioned way with the offensive line and the defensive line and then just like 
let the rest oh, of yeah. the pieces fall into place. That's the way really successful organizations have done it. I mean, you look at even Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they brought in Tom Brady, but if they didn't have the O-line and the defensive line that they had, they're not mm-hmm. winning anything. And I think Brady knew that. That's why he went there. But um, So true. You know, anyway. No, yeah, yeah, I know. And I could talk all day about this kind of stuff. But yeah, no, and I, I think that did make really smart picks for building a good foundation, to your point. So one of these years, yeah. I am uh, got my fingers crossed. But uh, it's, it's funny you brought up uh, box breaks earlier because I was actually going to bring that up. That was one of my questions. Now, mm-hmm. I'm sure this is a very broad question, but how do you generally set your buy-in rates for each team when you're doing your box break event? Yeah, so what I do is right now, you know, I want to be fairly reasonable in my pricing, you know, because obviously we're still getting started. Yeah, we have a decent following, but it's it's still growing pretty rapidly and we want to make sure that we're being priced very fairly we don't want people just to go to some other place just because they don't know us that well anyway right so what i do is you know let's say i buy four boxes at a thousand bucks total you know what i'll probably and and then you got to factor in shipping Mm -hmm. costs and you got to factor in other supplies like your bubble mailers the top loaders and the penny sleeves that you got to put half the cards in probably and so let's say my total cost is 1100 bucks I'm probably going to be somewhere around 1250 to 1300 in terms of my total price. Mm-hmm. And the reason I do that is yes, we want to make a little bit of a profit, but at the same time if I have people that want to make a trade with me, I'm always open to that because at the same mm-hmm. time that we're trying to make money, we're also trying to build a legacy and a collection, you know, for not only ourselves but for our our kids and possibly even grandkids or or so on and so forth. And so if somebody comes to me and mm-hmm. says, "Hey, you know, I don't have 50 bucks to buy the Cowboys, but I do have this card that I think you'd be interested. You know, I may I may take that offer. And so at the end of the day, even if I break even on that break, mm-hmm. but I pull a couple cards out of the deal, I'm going to be really happy with that. But yeah, basically I'm going to price it typically about 15 to 20% over my total cost is essentially what I'm looking to do. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I always wondered how that was structured and set up so yeah that that's awesome no i'm glad to, yep. yeah no it, it makes a lot of sense when you break it down that way and everything um and now how often would you say that you do box breaking events so i would say we probably average two to three a week there's been a couple weeks we've done four those can get a little stressful just because it's four <laughs> nights you know in a seven day week and then not only that but it's it's the pre and the post work that oh, is for the sure. toughest and chelsea can definitely attest to that um, you know, we have to organize all the cards. We have to sleeve up the cards that need to be sleeved. We got to load up the cards that need to be loaded up and then we got to wrap them up. We got to make sure that they're still all organized even after they're, they're wrapped up. Print the labels. The labels. We got to print the labels, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and so it's, it's a lot of work. We are lucky though. I will say we have a UPS store in walking distance to our house. So Ooh. that makes it actually a lot easier. I'll say that. That is a very big perk. (laughs) Yes. And we did invest pretty early on in one of the label printing machines just to make it so we didn't have to tape paper onto the uh, bubble mailers. We did that for a couple times and we did not enjoy it. So yeah, very good investment. (laughs) That was, yeah, that was, that was lame. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like all that's a learning curve and stuff too. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm glad you were able to (laughs) invest in that and give you some peace of mind. Absolutely. (laughs) So I saw you had an event on your, or sorry, you posted on your story that you were doing a giveaway for a Marshall Falk jersey. Mm -hmm. Uh, which I thought was really awesome. So I guess how often do you do promotions like that of like the actual Jersey giveaways or something along those lines? Um, We've done actually quite a few giveaways. That was, isn't it about 
It's about every thousand followers. Okay. I want to say that we gain on Instagram. Yeah. That's generally nice. been the route we take. Yeah. And basically the first one we really did just to grow our following. I think it was like a pack of cards that we gave away. So it was really lower tier, but basically it was like, you know, like our post and, and, and tag a few friends and share it to your story and we'll, we'll enter you into the giveaway. And, uh, you know, some random person won a pack of cards and, and we shipped it off to them. Well, then the next one we did a, like a small box. And as part of that giveaway, I said, well, basically if you spend 10 bucks with us, you'll get one additional entry into the giveaway. So it was like a perk for them to spend money either through breaks or even through our website or, or even through our Instagram, just saying like DMing us about a certain card, you know, we would, we would basically sell it to them and they'd get extra points in the giveaway. So uh, yeah, we're, we're doing them at just various milestones. I mean, we did 1,000, 2,000, now we're doing 3,000, and I'm sure we'll do 4,000. Once we get really big, I'm sure we'll just do giveaways at random, you know, just random times. Cause... <laughs> you get a card, you get a card, you get a card. Yeah. <laughs> like Oprah style. <laughs> you yeah. get a card, you get a card. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but the Marshall, Falk, the Marshall Falk jersey, it's kind of a funny situation. I um, He was my favorite fantasy uh, player of all time growing up up and and even to this day he was he was he's definitely still to this day one of my favorites that i ever had on my fantasy teams and so oh, for sure he was someone that i i really wanted to have and i had an opening in one of my my jersey display cases frames yeah yeah and so <laughs> i was like well i'm gonna replace it with a marshall falk so i was on ebay and i found two that were really good price but i was like you know you, you're gonna send him an offer and so i i sent low offers to both of these uh, sellers and mm -hmm. it was like a couple hours had passed by and both of them accepted the offers and like <laughs> At, right around the same time and i remember thinking oh my god i got two marshall falk jerseys like this is this is a bad situation to be in and so chelsea first thing she said was Rookie mistake first thing she said was no that's fine that'll be a giveaway item and i was like oh my god yeah this is this is great so i'll keep one and yeah we'll give one away as uh as part of the giveaway for whatever we got going on next it just so happened to be the three thousand follower giveaway so yeah perfect no that that's awesome and i feel like that all worked out so well and it makes so much sense that you do it in and milestones that's super cool and actually my next question that segues perfectly into my next question so marshall falk's your favorite fantasy player sounds like so do you have a favorite card that you've either bought for your own collection or you bought to resell on the website do you have like a personal favorite i do <laughs> all right believe it or not I don't even know. Oh, my God. I don't even know who it is or where it is because I know Jared has it in a display case. It's just one of the I really like the vintage cards. OK, Jared, wasn't there a, a Cowboys player? There was like a vintage card. Oh, it was my Drew Pearson rookie autograph. Isn't it right Drew there Pearson. by you? Yeah, it's over. By I, me. I love that card. <laughs> yep. The vintage ones just get me every time I was taking pictures of those ones for the website. I would just be like, oh, my God, these are so cool. If they were all like this, I'd be way more into it. But <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I would say mine is right now my favorite is probably my CD Lamb Rookies and Stars autograph card. It's out of 60, Ooh, so there's yeah. only 60 of them. But it's not even that it's, you know, CD's my favorite player right now. I, I love the Cowboys. I'm a Cowboys fan, so that obviously plays a role. But it was actually the mm -hmm. first card I bought getting back into the hobby. Okay. And so it's kind of important to me. I haven't graded it yet just because of, you know, the, the cost. It doesn't make sense because it's not as valuable of a card as as you know the Mahomes or the the Dax or any of those and so I haven't yep. graded it yet and I, I I will at some point in terms of card collecting 
Grading is a process where an external company will assess the condition of a card and grade it based on factors such as centering, corners, edges, and surface. Each attribute is given a grade of 1 to 10, which are then combined to give the card a final grade between 1 and 10. Anything above a 9 is worth book value or greater. Pristine 10s are rarely handed out for grading, but as you can probably tell by this point, condition is everything. Beckett Grading Services, SGC, and the Professional Sports Authenticator, or PSA, are the main companies used to grade cards. Jared even brings up PSA a little later in our conversation. But definitely a really important card for me just because if I go back in my, my little timeline on eBay, it's, it's, I scroll all the way to the bottom. It's, it's the first one. So. For sure. All the way to the bottom. <laughs> the very bottom. <laughs> yep. Pages and pages. No, yeah. And, and the ones that are really sentimental like that, I feel like, you know, carry a lot of weight with them in their own way. So that's, that's a super cool story. And I mean, I, I know we've kind of talked about it like offline and stuff before too, about like I'm obsessed with fantasy sports, fantasy football and all that stuff too. So I get attached to players in that way. And I feel like having cards would just add another layer to it because I have my players that I just love and I draft in as many leagues as I can. And I feel like it would just carry over to like if I were to collect the cards. Honestly, after this conversation, it makes me want to collect cards. So <laughs> you're kind of selling me on it. <laughs> well, and that's Eric, that's how I rebuilt my collection because essentially what happened was in 2001 2002 I shut it down and so essentially mm -hmm. what I did last year is I, I I went who are all my favorite fantasy players basketball football across the board going back the last 18 years because I've missed out yeah and so I just re I just went back in my timeline and I I remembered all these players like I, I oh my god I have all these Arian Foster rookie cards, oh, those man. were cheap as, mul I mean, you could get those <laughs> for nothing because the dude, yeah, he was really good, but he's not like a Hall of Famer or anything. So you can get him pretty right. cheap, but he was one of my favorite fantasy players, Priest Holmes, you know, all oh, these dudes yeah. that just super blast from the past. But essentially that's what I did was I made a list of all these players that I needed to have. And I was just buying like 10 to 15 every single day. And so we were getting like, Chelsea was saying before we were getting probably 15 to 20 packages a day for I mean it was probably four months it was it was wild and I'm the one who works from home and has to answer the door and they're like oh I know more cards yeah <laughs> I feel like that UPS yeah the UPS delivery person just making so many assumptions and just like what is all this what are you oh, constantly yes. ordering <laughs> like, oh my gosh exactly and now out of curiosity do you know offhand what has been like your biggest sale on the website or your most successful i guess turnaround for an individual item or something so i sold i i wasn't happy about it but i sold my patrick mahomes rookie autograph that graded a little poorer than i expected it to grade and so mm -hmm. i bought it on ebay got a decent deal and then turned around and graded it through psa and it, it just graded not as good as i thought it was going to grade so mm -hmm. that was just beginner um unfortunate i i just didn't have the right eye for that card that's that's i mm -hmm. guess the best way to chalk it up on, on the poor grade but anyway i turned around and sold it for about two grand um okay and I probably, you know, if it would have graded well, it would have probably would have got somewhere between eight and 10 grand. So it was just due to the poor grade. And I, I figured it's a card I love. But again, because the grade was not so good, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to take this 2000. I'm going to turn around, and reinvest it back in the business. And then at some point, I'm going to get a Mahomes card that I really, really love and is, mm -hmm. is graded much higher. I'll probably end up keeping it forever. So yeah, no, for sure. And that makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's so funny because like as a kid, I was really obsessed with Pokemon and like, well, I mean, actually I still am but uh 
like, <laughs> you know, so like I collected the cards and stuff and that was like kind of my card collection as a kid. And like, I just randomly went down a rabbit hole a few weeks ago where I was like watching the YouTube videos of ones that are like worth more now and worth a lot of money and like some crazy like serious like collectors and like people that like have an eye for them and just yeah it makes me want to knock the dust off my collection and kind of dig through them because I'm like man do I have anything like (laughs) in there that I forgot about yeah (laughs) we've talked about bringing Pokemon onto the you know into the company at some point because I was the same my cousin and I like we went back and forth with Pokemon cards god I don't have any of them anymore which is too bad (laughs) but I told I was telling Jared I'm like listen People are just as crazy about these cards as they are all these sports cards, so it wouldn't be a bad idea. If not crazier, yeah. Yeah, crazier even. Oh, so true. Yeah. No, it's there's a crazy market for it. I mean, just like, I think one video I was watching, it was like the, the like big, whatever you would call it, like the white whale or whatever you would call it for the card collecting, but um, was like the, I think, 1999 first edition, like shadowless holographic Charizard card yeah. that like everyone goes nuts over. Yes. It goes for like one sold last year for like 200 grand. Yeah. I'm like, oh my Oh my god oh my gosh <laughs> yeah it's so nuts um and actually that was something i was going to ask about too so because i noticed you're primarily you know football basketball and baseball so do you potentially see expanding into other sports or you know like we were just talking about maybe even pokemon cards eventually yeah so basically the thought process in doing the breaks and then selling off a portion of the collection that we don't you know absolutely love or want to keep long term the purpose really was to take the money that we make off those and reinvest it into either our own personal collection for our family or back into the business itself. And so one of the things that I've actually been having recent conversations around are are people that actually break with us. And then I have a couple friends from back home that are really interested in either hockey, baseball, basketball, UFC, or Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And so my thinking was, you know, I know football really, really well. I know products really well. I know basketball really well too, but I know that there's people out there that know it a lot better. And so if we can get to a point where I can just basically handle football and Mm -hmm. I can have my specialist who does the basketball, I can have my specialist who does baseball, my specialist who does hockey, my specialist who does Pokemon, UFC, etc. That is where we ultimately want to be. And again, you know, the end goal is not really necessarily to make money because me and Chelsea both have careers. We love what we do. Mm -hmm. This is just to further develop our own personal collection and again reinvest it back into the business so whether it's buying bulk boxes to ship out all over the country to our other breakers who are handling hockey or handling basketball because maybe we have someone who's doing basketball in texas we're we're gonna have to ship Mm -hmm. all the boxes to them that's kind of our philosophy you know i guess model for the business it wasn't necessarily just to make an absolute killing you know we (laughs) want to make money but we also you know we want to make the money to be able to build the card collection further hopefully that makes sense no that that makes a lot of sense i mean it sounds okay from what i was gathering from what you're saying before too it almost sounds like you just want to build a legacy and something or something tangible you know that your kids and everything can have and you they can pass on whether that be the business specifically or just the memories or just something to have to do with cards or something that you know you enjoy doing with these so i know it's crazy there are so many different markets i was doing different research on that too i mean like you mentioned before like hockey and and pokemon and ufc 
see, even like boxing and golf. I mean, there's a market for so many different things. I love what you said there specifically too about finding a specialist, dividing it out and spreading out the workload and stuff. That's honestly the best way to do things. And that's what I'm slowly learning myself. I've come to realize I'm very bad at like delegating things. I just want to spearhead everything and I guess get obsessive about like the way I want it and I want it to be a particular way. Finally starting to have the realizations lately. It's like, no, I should probably let someone handle this that like knows more about it, talk my vision out with them and stuff. So no, I think you're definitely on the right track and stuff for for the vision there and I think that's really cool. Actually that ties into another question that I had prepared too. So like now do you plan on on sticking with just an online store or do you think you'll eventually have like a brick and mortar location or anything? I mean I don't have any plans for that, you know, in in the very near future again. Right. Right now it's like you were saying before, you know, building the legacy, but at the same time if we stay on this growth path that we're kind of on and and it just continues to just snowball and get bigger and bigger, it may need to happen. You know, I think um, part of some of the conversations I've been having with, you know, some of the folks that I'm in preliminary talks with on bringing them on as a breaker, I basically said, I said, listen, when I'm to the point where we're posting breaks on Monday morning and they're full Monday night, Mm -hmm. that's when I'm hiring you. So right now we're obviously not there. You know, I I post a break on a Friday and it fills Monday or Tuesday or something. So it's always a few days later that it it fills up. Once we're to that point where our following is that devoted and that return, they, they return that often and, and spend that much with us, or we're just attracting new followers like crazy each and every single day that want to just buy into our breaks. And those things are filling up in a day. That's when we're going to expand and bring on new breakers that specialize in those areas. Because again, I know football really good. And, and I know that my breaks are really good when it comes to football, but maybe they're not as good for basketball. And so if I can bring mm-hmm. somebody on that's going to deliver what I think is a, is a great experience, then that's that's what I'm going to do. And so in terms of the brick and mortar aspect of it, if we ever get to a point where it's just too much for our house and the online community to, to handle, then yeah, maybe we will, mm-hmm. we will explore that. But right now, it's not in our thoughts. A year from now, talk to us again. It, it very well could be. <laughs> no, for sure. And that makes a ton of sense too. I mean, to your point, you definitely have to do things in milestones and baby steps and slowly kind of expand things. I mean, you don't want to run before you you walk or before you crawl or whatever mm-hmm. however the saying goes but <laughs> yeah learn to walk before you run or yeah anyway <laughs> you do get what i'm saying sometimes it feels like though i will be honest with you and I don't know if it's just because we're we have two young kids, and obviously we both have full time careers. But sometimes it does feel like we are sprinting, and we don't even know how to crawl yet, <laughs> because it's like I get home and I'm like, all right, what's for dinner? Let's eat real quick. Because then I got a freaking prep for this break, and then it looks like another one might fill tonight, so I might actually have to do two tonight, and then I'm going to be wrapping up, and you know, first thing tomorrow morning. <laughs> then I got five meetings at at my real job, <laughs> so it's like seven a.m. Chelsea, can you print out these labels for me? And I'm like, wait. I haven't had coffee yet, but yeah, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. God, I know I identify with so much of that. I have so many just late nights typing notes for podcasts, doing research, getting guests. And then, you know, I have to work 40 hours somewhere in there at my actual job. Yep. and <laughs> Got to squeeze that in somewhere, you know. Yeah, like, for sure. And then, you know, obviously just trying to have a life, run marathons and stuff, too. So I tra- that's like a part time job in itself to like train for those. So it's like, oh, I believe that yep. there's. Yeah, I mean, so many things. So, no, I, I completely get what you're saying with that. It's. <laughs> 
it gets overwhelming sometimes for sure. Yep. And I guess uh, thinking back to that, the grading of that Patrick Mahomes card and everything like that, are there any specific moments or major lessons I guess you've learned along the way throughout the business? Yeah. I mean, so when I was a kid, memorabilia cards were like the thing. They were the shit. You know what I mean? Like if you got a mem card, a jersey mm -hmm. card, right. that was like untouchable. Like you could even get some like schmuck and it was valuable because it was a jersey card. And so when I got back into it before really consulting, with you know my buddies who have been back in the hobby for six seven years and they have stores they're very successful in it i was buying all these like memorabilia cards for what i thought were good deals and they really weren't mm -hmm. good deals <laughs> so that was <laughs> that was bad um then i was also grading a lot of those jersey cards as well one of the big things that i've learned and even just talking to other experts is those jersey cards they're really not good for grading in in most cases now obviously don't get me wrong if you got you know a really top-notch player you should probably just get it in the grade just because it adds value to it period mm -hmm. but a lot of those cards because they're thicker they don't grade well because they just they come out of the pack poorly they got little chips in the corner here and there that you know sometimes you don't even really notice it and so they end up grading pretty poorly mm -hmm. my first couple rounds of grading did not go well either. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I was going to say, Jared, you went in kind of like hot. hot. <laughs> you know, you were coming in hot. You were like, I know everything about cards. I'm going to go get these graded and they're going to come back flawlessly because these cards are flawless. And when they came back, I remember your face was just like, how did this happen? Because they did not grade the way you thought. Yeah. So I feel like doing a little more research before we did the initial grading when we first started probably would have been better. Yeah, absolutely. Because gotcha. that costs a lot of money to, to submit those cards. So you're buying yes. a card, let's say, for $400, mm -hmm. and then you turn around and grade it for, you know, let's say 100 bucks or 150 bucks. Now you're sitting at 550 or 600 for total cost in. Mm -hmm. And if it comes back at a seven, you're it's not, not even worth the 400 you bought it at. <laughs> exactly. So right. You know, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. very... I think I'm very good at it now, but it, it definitely it took about a year or so. I feel like all that stuff kind of takes time to really develop an eye and everything too. Like my brother flips houses and everything. And I mean, he listens to real estate podcasts nonstop and everything, you know, constantly learning. And he'll look back all the time now at some of his first deals and be like, man, like I'd set it up all wrong. <laughs> you know, I should have done it this way and everything. But you know, that's, yep. that's how you learn though. I mean, it's, it's. It's better to get started than never even trying it in the first place and then, totally. you know, being in the same position years down the road. So I agree yep. completely. Yep. Is there anything, I, I guess, anything exciting currently in the works for Church Card Co. other than, I guess, box breaking events, anything else on the horizon? We're actually in talks in two different capacities. We're in talks, and I'm not going to go over the companies or anything, but mm -hmm. we're in talks with an app. So an app has actually uh, approached us, and we've had a couple pretty decent conversations with them. And basically, their model is to run apps and make it very seamless, not only for the box breakers, but also the people participating in the breaks. Okay. For payment, for, you know, making sure that they're on the live, they'll get notified through the app to actually go in and, and watch the break because the break that they bought into is actually going at this point. So right now we're doing everything on Instagram. We tag people into the Instagram post. Obviously, when we mm -hmm. are going live, I'll usually tag everybody through a group message or even in the live itself. Mm -hmm. But in terms of payment, we're responsible for collecting all that payment either through just traditional means or, you know, PayPal, you know, Venmo, etc. And so this will just make things a lot more seamless and easy. Obviously, mm -hmm. there is a fee to, to use them, but I think it'll really make us 
stand out even more and make us look even you know more slick in terms of the experience. So that's one thing. Yeah. Um, and then we're also, I actually just recently had a conversation with, it's actually interesting because they run a, a futures trading desk and I'm a certified financial planner on, that's my primary job. Okay. They approached me about adding sports cards to their investment mix. And what they're doing is they're bringing on independent contractors who have either businesses or they're just buying cards on their own and turning around and, and flipping them or selling them either after grading or just through what they think is is a good investment for short-term flip. Mm -hmm. They approached me about using their software. It's like a trading desk almost. It's it's actually really, really neat. Okay. We're pretty strongly considering it because there's really no risk from our standpoint because we, we sign on as independent contractors and they give us essentially the seed money to go out and purchase cards. The cards then get shipped to them instead of us. So that's the only issue I would say, or, or the only caveat really. But at the end of the day, we're still responsible for making the sale, mm -hmm. uh, entering it in, and then we split it with them based on the card, the volume, based on how quickly we turn it around. But basically the splits anywhere from like a 60, 40 for us to a 90, 10 for us. So it's, it's a good deal regardless, but those are two really neat things. Yeah. Obviously with the second one, it's really interesting because we're, we would be able to have financing essentially to go out and buy really, really high-end cards. We could go out and buy really high-end vintage cards and turn around and, and either grade them and flip them for pretty decent profit. But we, we have a partner in that mix too, which would be really neat. So mm -hmm. it's going to take a little bit more research on our end, but definitely two pretty exciting things that are hopefully coming up in the uh, next month or two. Those are both really exciting things. I mean, you know, the, the app really to approve efficiencies and make things less of a headache on your end and then securing financing. I mean, to your point, to get some of those um, heavy hitting cards and everything, that would be huge. So no, those are two definitely big aspects as well. It sounds like you have some really exciting stuff in the works. I mean, just moving forward with the company. So I'm really happy for you both. Thank you. Yeah, that, that is really exciting. I'm super pumped about it just because, again, I mean, I thought it was interesting, the connection there with them, you know, having a trading desk and whatnot. But no, it's really also to, you know, just continuing to, to grow the... Yeah, the... that's Jared's dream come true. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. <laughs> it, it's really just to uh, continuing to build the break <laughs> side of the business, because obviously, if we get to a point where we're doing five, six a week, and we're, we're filling them daily, then that, that just means that we're going to be hiring other breakers to to, you know, do that role for us too. That's kind of the next phase as well. But it's definitely something that, you know, I didn't think we'd be talking even about it this soon. But, you know, if, if by the end of the summer, we're bringing on other breakers, it honestly wouldn't shock me at this point. Oh, that's that's super exciting, though. I guess, is there anything that I forgot to ask about that either of you want to touch on real quick before we get to plugins and everything? I don't think so. No, you, I mean, you pretty much covered everything. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I... Did my research properly then. And you know what you're doing. <laughs> I try. I, I try to make it come off that way. <laughs> yeah, no, you were fully loaded. All the right questions. No, that's just what I want to hear. So awesome. I'm glad I, I touched all the bases and you guys were able to say everything that you wanted to say and stuff. So where can listeners find your website and other socials? So we're at churchcardco.com. We're on Instagram at churchcardco. We're on Facebook, churchcardco.com. <laughs> 
Twitter, Church Card Co. You get you get the idea here. <laughs> Seriously, though, yeah, I like what I was saying before. I mean, it sounds like you guys have a really awesome plan, you know, going through and that the venture has been really successful so far and continues to grow. And, no, I wish you both the best with this and everything with Church Card Co. And uh, looking forward to seeing all those future events, and I'm hoping to get involved in a box break myself. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> cool. See Thank you, you there. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course, yeah. All right. Take care. Take care, man. See ya. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. Links to all of Jared and Chelsea's pages, along with other resources, can be found in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated. If you're an entrepreneur, creator, or live an interesting lifestyle, send an email to juxtaposedjourneys at gmail.com with a brief description for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. The Juxtaposed Journeys logo was designed by Darius Norwood. The website was designed by Elise Benner, and music has been provided by Young Pioneer. Editing for this episode was done by RB. Final mixing and interviews are conducted by yours truly, Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop exploring.